welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're after all that, Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ are still Cubs home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review and a rating so that other people can find the show. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs. I write about the trades that did happen. I write about the trades that didn't happen and those pieces just sit in escrow for a while and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Oh, man. (laughs) I feel like we've been run through the ringer in the last few days as fans and uh, lovers of this Chicago Cubs team. And you know, I must admit, I'm just kind of sitting here a little bit stunned, kind of don't know what to make of everything that happened. And uh, I'm I'm curious as to what you think about it, because I think a lot of us are sitting here scratching our heads and we haven't talked yet, but we're about to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have lots of thoughts. I was 100% sure that the Cubs were going to trade. Wilson Contreras and maybe Ian Happ and they didn't trade either of them they did trade their whole bullpen so it's going to be fun to watch this team try to hit its way out of a team with no bullpen Uh, and we'll get into that it was a wild trade deadline it was probably and and I'm just like speaking globally from for a second um not just about the Cubs I think it was the most consequential trade deadline I remember that Soto trade is the biggest trade I've seen in my lifetime and it's going to have huge consequences across the league and and we'll get into all of that but it is it is super weird to be sitting here talking to you today and Wilson Contreras is still a cub and Ian Happ is still a cub and look I'll say this let's just jump right into the Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ things I think that's the headliner for Cubs fans and we'll get into all the rest of it in a second I am glad that Jed Hoyer wasn't so insistent on trading them that he would take returns that he didn't think were good enough. Like what I got from his press conference uh, that honestly like spilled into the Cardinals game. I I have to believe like Jed Hoyer was trying to figure out what he was going to say. And his press conference just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. They were previewing it on the Cubs live pregame show for so long. And then all of a sudden Jed Hoyer's press conference starts and the literal game starts. Wilson Contreras is batting as Jed Hoyer is taking (laughs) questions from the beat writers about the trade deadline. I mean, that's not, you don't do that on purpose. That's a timing issue for sure. Um, What I got from that whole thing though, is the price was high as it should be. And Hoyer didn't want to move off the price. And I know that there's a lot of Cubs fans out there, the prospect Palooza types who are like, but he's going to, he's going to be a free agent and you're going to get nothing. And the qualifying offer and the compensatory round pick isn't good enough and yada, yada. And yes, we'll get into all of that. And and I get what you're saying. And also it is not good for the Chicago Cubs. If this new uh, front office team is known to just like take whatever they can get. And the return on Christian Vasquez going to the Astros was the 28th and 29th best prospect in the Astros system for the Red Sox, which is functionally like Vasquez is a slightly worse hitting catcher than Wilson Contreras and a slightly better defensive catcher than Wilson Contreras. And if that's the type of return you could have gotten for the last two months of Wilson Contreras, I'm glad Hoyer didn't take it because I think that he should set a standard that when the Cubs deal, particularly guys that were part of their core guys that are a huge part of this team and huge to fans, the asking price is high, and then they'll try to work something out. Now, I also think that puts them in a position where the best move for Jed Hoyer right now is to extend Wilson Contreras, and I'm just going to be banging that drum on Twitter until it's until it's over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just kicks the can down the road because now it's like, okay, Wilson's done the team, but it's only for two more months. Hap's a different story. You have him for next year, but it's still relatively, you know, he's got the the – the fire underneath him, like, you know, uh, basically we're all expecting him still to be shipped out because the Cubs do not seem to be competing next year um, still. So you want to get what you can for your guys that you've had, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't want to be known as the team that will just unload these dudes uh, for nothing. I think the days of emptying your farm in the way that the Cubs did back in 2016 and 17 to uh, try to, you know, push into the world series. And they did get, 
they did get the one, and then they they did get to the NLCS uh, in seventeen by uh, emptying their farm. But like, you see what that did. It made made for moments like this where you have no depth, and now seems like the Cubs have have depth. I don't know about how exciting the depth is. Uh, it's depth, and it seems major. Some of it seems nearly ready for the major leagues. And that they did manage to do by trading away the bullpen. But yeah, I mean, with the Wilson thing, do they, I, I still don't think that they wanted it to go like this. And that's what's messed up about it. Cause if they weren't talking extensions with him since 2017, what would change that now, except for maybe they looked at the list of catchers available in the off season and realized that Wilson Contreras is the best of those the other thing is, you know, maybe it's remember when they valued all our guys too highly, so they said, and would, couldn't get any trades done for like I don't know Kyle Schwarber, which obviously should have been valued where he was. Um, you know, maybe they're doing it again. Like I just, I'm so confused. I mean, if you end up getting nothing but the compensatory pick, this was a failure. If you end up Wilson looks so happy to still be a Cub and just all that. Uh, you know, all that off his shoulders. I mean, I don't know. Like he wants to probably stay. It's the only team he's ever known for 15 years. Like, I mean, there's just so many things going on. If, if they can get an extension done, then it's a success, right? Cause they let him know that they value him. Whereas other teams didn't. So he might be saying, Oh, I might not get on the open market. What I think I deserve. So I'm just going to go with the Cubs. So it all just feels like the, the chess game just went into extra innings. And um, I still think they probably get, try to get a deal done with Hap. The other thing is you don't trade catchers mid season because they don't know the pitching staff. There's a whole learning curve to that. There's a whole new set of sides. Catching is a hard job, harder than other jobs. So, and to switch teams has got to be just so difficult. I think about that all the time when a catcher moves and, um, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what to make of this. You know, I don't know what this does mean for the future. Is this good? Is this failure? Is it ultimately going to be success? I, I, it's too early to tell. So. Yeah. I, I want to talk through different parts of that. Cause there's a, there's a few different things going on here. So one, um, the qualifying offer sits right around $18 million a year. Uh, that is the midpoint of like free agent signings. That's how they determine that. Um, here's my, here's my point for you. Like I think $18 million a year is right around what Wilson Contreras can probably expect in free agency. I mean, maybe a little bit more. I've sort of been pinning it at like a four year, $80 million with an option for a fifth year, type of deal, um, which is right around the midpoint of what Salvador Perez got and what JT Romuto got, uh, which is correct for Wilson Contreras. There's a non-zero chance that Wilson just like looks at the lay of the land, sees the qualifying offer and is like, do it, do it. I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for one more year with the Chicago Cubs for $18 million a year because his free agency market is not going to be as good if he has that qualifying offer tied to him because it will cost teams a draft pick, yada, yada, all of that other type of stuff if they sign him. So there's a there's a world here where the Cubs offer Wilson the qualifying offer and he takes it. Um, yeah, and then, trade, and then trade him next year or try to. And Correct. then maybe he doesn't trade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. And we're it's right just... back in the same place next July, right? Like it's, I mean, this is, this is a real world here. Now, what that does buy the Cubs, it buys the Cubs another year of, seeing what Miguel Amaya looks like of, of seeing like, is Miguel Amaya actually going to be the guy they thought he was going to be just, you know, with a year delay from Tommy John surgery. I, I don't know the answer to that. Nobody does. Um, if I were the Cubs, a lot of rather, questions. Than, rather than doing the qualifying offer route, I really think they should just sign Wilson Contreras to the extension he deserves. Like they should yeah. just do the four year, $80 million to a hundred, you know, the, the deal I just said, like you're basically $20 million a year for four years and you put an option for a fifth year there and the off chance that he is um, healthy and good and doing his own thing. And you do it for, for two big reasons, in my opinion. 
Robo-Umps are probably not coming in 2023, but the word on the street is that they are almost certainly coming for 2024. And Wilson Contreras' value in 2024 skyrockets with Robo-Umps. There is no framing that he has to worry about anymore. He doesn't have to hold the ball. He can backpick to his heart's content. He can catch guys. Like, one of the, there's a trade-off for catchers between framing and backpicking and catching guys stealing. It is very difficult to do both of those things because framing often requires that you set up in a certain way and that you hold the ball in a certain way to give the umpire the best vantage point of the strike, which means you're not like quickly transferring to throw the ball to second. And you're not like diving, to, you know, to make the play, the back pick play. Like, and so you'll see a trade-off there. Wilson has always been better at those latter two parts of the game and worse at the holding the pitch part of the game, right? If he doesn't have to hold the pitch anymore and he can just be the guy who stops pass balls and like stops wild pitches and throws guys out at second and throws guys out at first and throws guys out at third and like plays the Wilson Contreras game and hits. That's an ideal world for the Chicago Cubs. And, and if you look at the lay of the land, they would get like out of that deal, three, maybe four years of ideal baseball setting for Wilson where all he has to do is hit and be the guy who stops balls from going haywire behind the plate. I would make that deal 10 times out of 10. I would make that deal 11 times out of 11. Like I, as I was writing my piece that thankfully is going to sit in the box at BCB for a while now, <laughs> uh, looking back at Wilson Contreras's time with the Cubs and what it meant to this franchise and to this team, I'm going to tell you all the one thing that jumped out at me that I think is critical for understanding Wilson Contreras. He has exceeded expectations at every point in his Major League Baseball career. He was not supposed to be a guy in 2014. He's on no prospect list anywhere. In 2015, he is an afterthought. Like after they do the list of the like 35 guys who are going to make a difference in the Cubs farm system, Wilson Contreras is in like the note section somewhere behind Mark Zagunas. Like it is, he is literally not supposed to be a guy at any point in time. He not only comes up, he not only sticks he becomes a three-time all-star starting catcher, and he's the best hitting catcher in baseball. I would never bet against Wilson Contreras. I think he is the safest bet in – like, look, yes, guys get hurt. Guy, things happen, like 30-year-old catchers. It's a hard gig. You're squatting a lot of the time. You get injured. But, like, if there is a catcher in baseball that I am going to bet on to be good for the next four or five years and to, to earn every penny of a contract extension – it's Wilson Contreras, and you don't need to look any farther than the look on that man's face when he came out of the dugout in St. Louis. Like, he looked like Rocky, like, pumping his fist, <laughs> Like, Wilson Contreras had the best day because he was a Chicago Cub. He damn near hit a home run in his first at bat. He missed by inches, and he did hit a triple in his second at bat. So, like, just extend the man, Jed. Get this over with. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they need to zag because I feel like they've been zigging so long. I, I mean, the word that I've heard is that they're just not big Wilson Contreras fans for whatever reason it is. And now whether that has changed at this point, uh, th then I, it remains to be seen. I just there's just so many question marks about what they're what they're uh, and I'm fine with it. I'm fine with them being opaque this time because before. You know, everybody everybody knew we were trying to trade Hap and Contreras. I mean, they were hugging and crying, and everybody knew it. That's not a position of power no. for, for a team. So I'm fine with the fact that they'd be opaque and not tell us some of what's happening. But to just for a fan to look at it and not figure out some sort of clear path, and the fact that just the thing that I keep coming back to is they haven't talked to Wilson for years about the extension and I don't know what that's about. And then Jed said in his presser that was it in the presser or somewhere else that he's like, we have talked to his agents recently. And I'm like, well, he says you didn't. And now we're here at the, he said, he said, Chris Bryant thing, which boy, did we dodge a bullet with that guy? Oh my, <laughs> but, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> well, he's, kind of, he's like the, the new poo holes. You gotta you gotta parse Jed real carefully. He didn't say they talked to Wilson's agent about an extension. They said they are right. in contact. In with contact, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm in contact with a lot of people. I'm not talking about working with them or doing jobs for them or like making money from them in the future. But that said, there is no better time than now to make that deal happen for two reasons. For the Cubs, you're probably gonna get the best deal out of Wilson Contreras you ever got in your life right now. He's just 
thought long and hard about the prospect of going somewhere else, anywhere else, and taking his talents to another team. You can see how much he loves this fan base and Chicago. You can see how much the fan base loves him. And and look, it, it is, I get it. Like, he's not Anthony Rizzo. Like, he's not Javier Baez. Like, I understand why some people have different favorite players. But a lot of us, for a lot of us, the favorite is Wilson Contreras. And he's the last man standing. And, and like, we're ready to go all in with Wilson Contreras. There's not another catcher out there to go sign to, like, make your team better in 2023 or 2024 just do the deal make the fans happy give us give us a little contract extension as a as a treat jed like just just this one time just extend the one guy it's not gonna hurt it's not gonna break the budget you have a ton of money coming off the books during the the life of that deal it's not like the wilson Contreras deal is the deal that is going to make it impossible for the cubs to compete in 2024 or something like that just do that deal get it done that's the best thing the Cubs could do right now because most people you're right like a, a fourth round compensatory pick for Wilson Contreras after he rejects the qualifying offer is not a good return for him and also I understand why Jed does not want other front offices to think that when our guys are in contract years the Cubs can just be had for suckers now the last thing I want to say about this and one big difference between Wilson Contreras's market and free agency and what just happened in the trade deadline the trade deadline, by definition, is on, your only teams who are interested in your services are the teams who are competing and the teams who need have an opening at your slot. So for the Cubs, in this case, that meant their possible trade partners were the Padres, the Mets, the Rays, and the Astros, for the most part. Uh, that's not a huge market. That's not a huge universe of people to deal with. The Padres got where all the air was sucked out of the Padres' room by the Juan Soto deal. And the Mets were clearly gun shy after they felt like they got their pockets picked for Pete Crow Armstrong last year. They had no idea what they had in Pete Crow Armstrong and they dealt him for Javier Baez and Trevor Williams. And now they're, they're paying for that as Pete Crow Armstrong like just leaps up prospect boards, right? I think he's the second best prospect in the Cubs system right now. I was looking at the fan graphs ratings last night and he is like rising with a bullet through those lists. So I understand why the Mets were gun shy they still need a catcher. Mets fans are not happy that they couldn't get a deal done for Wilson Contreras. Like that go read amazing Avenue, our, our sister side over at SB nation. They are like, where is the Wilson Contreras deal? What is going on? Like <laughs> they're not thrilled uh, over there in Queens. So I, I, you know, the market gets bigger for Wilson. He has more options, et cetera, et cetera. But the best place for him is right here. And the Cubs are going to need a catcher. Anybody want to see 162 games of Jan Gomes and PJ Higgins? No, neither do I. So sign Wilson Contreras. <laughs> no, no, we don't want to see that. I mean, but at the same time, they, we, we didn't want to see all the Blue Friday guys go either. And, you know, it's just, it feels like operationally, this is how they've been running it. And I mean, it's just, if you end up, it's just too early to tell if we won this non-trade. <laughs> like It's like, did we win the trade? Uh, you know, that's usually what we ask ourselves, but this is, did we win the non-trade? It really just depends on what, what comes of it. And, but I'm I, the first person I thought of was you, Sarah. So I'm really happy for you that you get two more months of Sarah of, uh, of Wilson, Sarah. But it, you know, what's funny to me, it's like, you, you know, when you're on a street corner, I know what's happened to you and I before, cause we live close and walk around Wrigley and stuff. But when uh, you're standing on the street corner and you're talking and you're like, okay, see you later. And then you both end up walking the same way. Instead of that's what this is going to feel like tomorrow at Wrigley Field with Wilson Gutierrez, who's going to get a huge ovation, but it's got a little bit of this like, well, we already said goodbye to you. Like, so what are we going to have another goodbye at the end of the year? And then maybe another goodbye next July. Like, this is not fun for fans at all. Like, I mean, I understand it's the hard, cold business of this entire thing. I mean, we didn't even talk about Ian Happ yet but Ian Happ is a big part of this team and has been for a long time a big part of the bleacher bumps they gave him a signed ball which you know touched him emotionally and now they're like I was joking with bleacher Jeff I'm like ask for your ball back he's not traded <laughs> like get back that signed ball you send him so it's just like I mean the the emotions that we've been rung run through and what the Cubs just put those players through you gotta wonder like how they're feeling about it I mean, other teams don't do this to their players. 
as much. I mean, maybe they do. I don't, I don't know. Cause I only follow the Cubs, but if you look at some of the teams like the Braves who managed to get all their young stars to extend, like, you know, at least buying out their arbitration years and things like that, you know, the Cubs haven't done that with anybody. So it just feels like, except for David Bodie, which like, come on. Um, he was just like, I want to feed my family in the future. It's like, sure, I'll take your deal. Um, but everybody, I mean, they haven't done it with anybody. So it just feels like operationally, they don't want to do it. So, I mean, Rizzo's tearing the cover off the ball. You kind of could have predicted that. Um, Schwarber, they knew he was good for 30 home runs still. Like, they, they he had just done it, you know. And they're like, nah, we don't need that. We're, you know, you're getting too expensive. It almost makes me feel like Hap getting, you know, 10 to 13 million next year if he finishes strong. It almost makes me feel like they might do the, they might Schwarber him. You know, like, oh, we're not paying that. Uh, We get that production for cheaper, blah, blah, blah. You know, same old, same old. Well, I want to get into Ian Hap in a second. Um, But the, it's interesting. The Schwarber thing is funny to me because at the start of the season, I was on a fantasy baseball podcast. Um, we're doing some predictions and we had to have a bold prediction. My bold prediction was 40 home runs for Schwarber and I didn't. they didn't feel like it was bold enough and frankly, neither did I. So I made it 50 and I was like, oh my God, there's no way. And actually kind of looks like there's a way. Kyle Schwarber may, act, he's closing in on, on pace for like high 40s, 50 home runs. So we'll see if that bold prediction comes true. The Hap thing is interesting to me. At the start of the year, I remember talking to you about this, Danny. Ian Hap has been so inconsistent that it kind of felt like if you could get somebody to to buy high on Ian Hap, if he had a real great first half to this season and somebody did want to give you like some blue chip prospects for the next year and a half of Ian Hap, that might be a good deal. Um, and that's where we were. And 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 here's what happened, in my opinion. People did not want to pay the price that the Cubs asked for Hap or Contreras. Now, in in the case of Hap, the Cubs get another year of his services in left field, and that makes a ton of sense to me. Like, we keep him around and see if he can keep this up. In the case of Contreras, it's, I I honestly, it's it's a little bit more mystifying just because, like we already talked about, the, the actions are like, well, QO, compensatory pick, I don't know, like, I do think, though, that it's worth this team not broadcasting that they'll just take whatever you give them that like if the market is weak for the person they're trying to trade that they will trade for pennies on the dollar and I I I have given Jed Hoyer a lot of grief on this podcast so I'm gonna praise Jed Hoyer for one second here and yes it's it's hard for me but but I'll get through it uh Jed Hoyer is establishing right now what people are going to think of making deals with him for the rest of his time as the president of either the Chicago Cubs or any other baseball organization. It's really aside from that, like one year he had with the Padres, it's it's his first time in charge. It's his first time making the deals as the guy and Carter Hawkins too. Like the, the Hoyer Hawkins team is not a team that people know exactly what they can get and what they can deal with. The, the vast majority of prospect watchers and people who watch trades and people who watch this type of stuff believe that the Cubs got a haul in 2021 for their core, that they did very, very well. They improved their farm system. I think I remember their farm system on fan graphs went from like 21st to 7th or 8th or something. I mean, it was it was just absurd what they did with those deals. And that's great. But that does not mean that you have to trade guys for nothing. And I think that there is, there is value in them establishing, yeah, we'd rather just keep this guy in house and let him mentor Christopher Morrell and mentor Nelson Velasquez and do all the intangible, wonderful things he does around the ballpark and at Wrigley Field, rather than let you have him for your 28th and 29th best prospects, Houston. Like, have a nice day. It's not, that's not the that's not the asking price, and we're not we're not giving away years of experience and leadership in our clubhouse for that. And yeah, I think it, that was good. You're right. Yeah, you're right because then it just becomes a bag of balls situation, and that's not really fair. It's like you're just gonna you're dumping salary, you know, and that's like fans don't care about that. I mean, we're dumping our money into your pockets, so we want yeah. If anything, take on more salary. Um, yeah, and you know, get just getting to Hap specifically in this um, exact situation that you're talking about about why people weren't maybe willing to pay for him, if not overpay, which maybe is what uh, Jed was going for, is because if you look at his uh, splits, 
from last year and most years, I think. Um, but I'm just looking at last year here. And you look at how in April, he's got an OPS of 467, and then he doubles it in May. And then in June, 497. July, still bad, 561. Then his OPS goes up to 856 in August. And he finishes strong with uh, with uh, hitting eight home runs and a, a OPS over 1,000 in September after like all the pressure's off. Like Who's going to pay for somebody that you're like, well, he was good in May, so June, July are going to be terrible. Like the, Hap could get traded and disappear. We've seen it happen before. So I think a lot of people are thinking that and like they won't buy high on that because we have not seen a full year of production. Like here's a guy like his batting average is up 50, uh, 50 times uh, or 50 uh, points since last year over, over last year, but the home runs are in half. So it's like, what are we getting? Like, is this guy hit home runs? Are we going to switch hit him? Is he a lefty? Is he a right? Like, you know, there's just too much about Hap that I think confuses people and people don't trust. And like, we don't trust it. So why would another team trust it? You know? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last episode, but there were teams out there saying that Hap was like their backup plan for Soto. Like, <laughs> I find that the funniest, funniest thing, the idea of like, ah, oh, one Soto, Ian Hap, depends. one Soto, Ian Hap. Like, it, those, are, those are two very different players. It depends which month, because it could have been a backup plan if he just went on his tear once he got traded. Like, you know, then it might be Juan Soto-like, you know, and then he'll come out for you in April and hit .91, you know, yeah. so like... So over at Fangraphs, they have a graphing tool that I really like where you can take any of their stats and metrics and you can look at a 15-game rolling average. And I like to do that with WOBA. You can look at multiple seasons and just see how it ebbs and flows over 15-game cycles. And one of the things I've noticed about Ian Happ, about Javi Baez actually in the past too, I mean, these are there are certain players who are very volatile, right? Like a, a, a good steady player keeps a tight rolling average like right around their, their career average. Happ is... His peaks are like he has a WOBA of over 500 and his valleys, his floor is like under 200. Like that is a massive like up and down on the WOBA scale. Like a good WOBA is generally something over about 340. Anything in the 400 range is outstanding. Like the fact that he can peak in the 500s and then like crater to the 200s in the same season is really one of those things that teams are probably not going to invest in until they have a bigger sample size. But also this year, his peaks and valleys have been a little bit less. He's been hovering right around that like 330 line. Like it, it, it will be interesting to see if Ian Happ has actually unlocked something here that keeps him from those huge craters that he has had in the past. But I understand why teams wouldn't want to invest in that because Danny, we talked about it in the preseason show. Like, hey, if you can get somebody to buy on Happ when he's having one of his hot streaks, that might be a good trade. Like, and I, I love Ian Happ in left field. I love that the bleacher bums signed a ball for him. I love that he's going to have that ball for the rest of his life, whether he gets an extension offer from the Cubs or not. And also I would have understood uh, if they had gotten the right offer for Ian Happ dealing him yesterday, the day before. Selling high. I would not have felt bad about it at all. The Wilson Contreras thing is totally different in my opinion. And and at this point, Hoyer has put himself in a position where I really think they just need to, they need to extend him. They need to make him an offer that is fair. We all know what that fair offer is. We just saw what Sal Perez got a few years ago. We've seen what JT Romuto got. Like, just make him an offer that is somewhere between those two dudes. Keep him in-house. Make Wilson the one who is a Cub for life. And by life, I mean, like, literally for life since he was 16 years old. Like, 14 years in this system. Just keep the dude around. I see no reason not to do that. There was a tweet that went out from the Daily Random Cub the other day that was the lineup on the day Wilson Contreras was signed, which was in 2009, people. Wilson Contreras was signed July 2nd, 2009. That lineup had Ryan Dempster pitching, okay? Like, let's just keep Wilson Contreras in-house. And this is the last thing I'm going to say about it because we're up against a break, and we still have Juan Soto trade to talk about. We have other trades to talk about. We have what are the Cardinals doing with the trade market to talk about. We have a Marlins series to preview. We've got a lot of stuff uh, to do in the show. But before we do, I just want to say... You know, Marquis showed their video that they were going to show when Wilson Contreras got traded. They they showed the tribute video to his career. 
And I do want to say, Marquis, it, it's mostly well done, but you missed one game. You missed one game of highlights that really had to be in that video. So I hope somebody listens to this show over there because you picked the wrong White Sox game. It's not the White Sox game where you had two home runs. You need the bobblehead day game where you had two home runs, a double, and caught a guy stealing. Uh, that's the best Wilson Contreras game against the White Sox. Not the two, not the other two home run game, the first two home run game. And yes, the fact that there are two is incredible. Um, how about how about the one where he threw his bat to the moon? Like that's, that's the that one I went. That was in there. Okay. That was in there like top 10 moments, but they just, I think they picked the wrong White Sox game for the, I think it was number three. The top two were all postseason stuff. It was great. I mean, look, Wilson Contreras has done a lot of incredible things as a Chicago Cub. And I, I was just deep into that because I was looking, I was putting together a piece that had a lot of those same clips in it. Um, but that's part of why I also knew they, they missed it because the bobblehead day, he went off on his bobblehead day, man. He had like seven RBIs or something. It was <laughs> insane. Like I just, it was, it was wonderful. Uh, we're going to take a quick break on the flip side. We are going to remember Vince Scully. We are going to talk through the rest of the trade deadline. We're going to preview the card, the rest of the Cardinal series and the, Marlin series this weekend, but first a quick break. All right, Danny, the Cubs may have been kind of mystifying at the trade deadline and didn't get a ton of stuff done. I mean, it, look, they turned David Robertson into a guy who looks like an intriguing arm from the Phillies. They turned Michael Givens into some question mark lottery ticket from the Mets, but like there, it was kind of like not with a bang, but a whimper for the Cubs after, after all of that buildup, but it was a huge trade deadline. The Juan Soto move is the biggest trade I have ever seen. And I actually think that's part of why the Cubs didn't get anything done because their best trade partner was in fact, the Padres. And when the Padres went all in on Juan Soto and Josh Bell, there wasn't a lot left for them to trade to the Chicago Cubs for Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ. Is this move going to be hang around the nationals neck, like trading Babe Ruth did for the Red Sox? for eight decades. Cause I really think we might've just seen the birth of the curse of the childish Bambino. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly could. Uh, they, they did get a lot of prospects in return, including some of the prospects were that were seemingly untouchable for the Cubs when they did their Darvish trade with them. Uh, like uh, Gore, I know was somebody that were like, Oh, you can't have Gore. He's our future. And then they, like they did, empty their future for soda which i think you do because how many more years does he have with them and he's in he's uh, not a free agent until 2024 yeah so i mean you've got a couple years you have this core if you can't get it done they're in second place so i made a joke on twitter i'm like boy padre's really gunning for that first wild card spot you know like because that's all you're gonna get you get him through 2024 he's not a free agent until 2025 so you get two more years so great. So you, so yeah, I, I mean, you do that deal. In fact, I was kind of disappointed because I don't think the Cubs have the prospects to even get that deal done if they were in a position to do it, um, which they're not, they're not. Um, but yeah, I mean, freaking Juan Soto. He's, he's probably now that Mike Trout is facing that horrible back issue. Um, he might be the best player in the major leagues. So uh, I mean, yeah, do you, if you're, are you going to go for that? Sure. Um, it, I hate that it's it's with the Padres. Um, I really am harboring some resentment from 1984 still. So I'm going to need them to fail anyway (laughs) because of my 10-year-old heart being broken. Um, Steep-seated. Sorry, people. I can't root for it. But um, the fact that somebody might take down the Dodgers is pretty cool. Um, I'm for that. I wish it was like – I mean – Screw the whole West. I mean, the Rockies are a mess. Like, I don't, I don't they're never going to win again. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to, I don't know. What to, I'm still mad at the Diamondbacks for what they did to us in 07. Like, I've got, I've got problems. <laughs> you know what's funny about with all the, the teams? You know what's funny about the Padres thing? I actually am glad he went to the Padres because the last three teams standing there were the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Padres. And so even though it it actually, I mean, it hurt the Cubs' ability to get a deal done with the Padres, of those three teams, the Padres are the most palatable to me to have Juan Soto for a few years. Like, I can get behind cheering for Juan Soto and Yu Darvish and Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. Like, that's a team I can get behind. That's a team with a lot of swag. That's a team that I am interested in and I would like to watch uh, late night when I'm, I'm 
looking for some baseball after the Cubs game is over, right? But I cannot get behind the idea of Juan Soto on that Dodgers team. Like the Dodgers already have everything. Like the Dodgers do not need Juan Soto in addition to everything. And we don't even need to talk about the fact that Juan Soto on the Cardinals is a non-starter for literally, that might've made me quit baseball. Juan Soto going to the Cardinals after they already got like paid the, like the Rockies paid them to take Nolan Arenado and they got Paul Goldschmidt and blah, blah, blah. And also, and uh, you know, I'm going to let you have your say on the Cardinals here in a second, but really Cardinals, you just couldn't part with Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson was the holdup. You were like, Gorman, fine. Wynn, fine. Walker, Fine. Some pitching prospect whose last name starts with a G that I had not heard of or looked at until this week. Fine. But Dylan Carlson is too precious to part with. I hope he is exactly what Harrison Bader has been for your organization. And then you have to look yourself in the mirror for the next decade watching Juan Soto be Ted Williams for the Padres and know that you picked Dylan Carlson instead. Congratulations, St. Louis. You played yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I agree. That would have just been absolutely terrible to because then the central feels more unwinnable for the next few years. I'm already mad that the Cubs are not in this race uh, because the Cardinals aren't that good because the Brewers aren't that good. And there's n- absolutely no. I'm, I mean, I'm just so Cubs centric with it that I'm like looking at this and I'm like, okay, so if they pick up, if they're able to, you know, basically, you know, have the ARP tour. And then come back around with uh, Juan Soto for the next few years. You know that that screws us so royally. But in a way, also it, it's in a way that I think also puts a fire under the Cubs' butts because I think overall with this whole trade deadline thing, unless you're in one of those divisions like the AL East or the NL West, you don't necessarily because of the new playoff spot, you don't necessarily have that much incentive to go all in and trade all your prospects. I, it was the first thing I said, as soon as they added this playoff spot, I'm like, this was the thing that's going to screw the players over more than anything, because you're not going to have to go out. You can, you can average your way into the playoffs and you can tell the fans that you're trying because you made the postseason, and you didn't, you really don't have much of a shot at the world series or anything because there's a powerhouse is going to be in there for that one. Like now the, 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 the Dodgers, the Padres, or the Yankees. Those are powerhouse teams. So there's going to be like three teams. It's it's like real life. It's like the 1%. It's like the haves and the haves-nots. It's like you have three teams that have everything, and all the rest of the 27 are just going to middle their way into maybe a 500, slightly over 500 playoff spot, and that's what the Cubs seem like they're doing. So it's just like you're going to devalue talent because you don't need as much. You're going to stand pat way more than you ever would have. And I think that that's one of the main reasons that the trade deadline for the Cubs lost a little, why they couldn't get deals done for those guys. Cause you're like, well, Wilson Contreras could give us a bump. Ian Happ could give us a bump, but they're not going to, they're not going to let us compete with the Dodgers. We'll still probably make the playoffs because of what we have. You know, the Mets are like, we don't have to win the division. Let the Braves take it over. We still have enough wins to make the playoffs. And then we'll see what we got. And the pitching wins playoff games and the old crapshoot roll the dice. You know, that's what they've been telling us forever, that it doesn't matter. Anybody that gets in, even like the Orioles could win the World Series. I don't believe that, but that's what they tell us. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just like... I don't know. What do we, I, I went off the. I went on no, a tangent no. there. <laughs> I think you're right. Like the extra wild card spot definitely changes the way that teams look at how they construct themselves going into the playoff race. I mean, look, you don't have to look much farther than the division to see what the Cardinals and the Brewers did to shore up their position. Like those are not World Series contending yeah. teams. Like they could get hot, I suppose, and like have a lucky run and like weird things happen. That 2007 Cardinals team that ended up winning it all or 2006 or whatever Sticks, it was yeah. like they literally like snuck into the postseason and then just got hot at the exact right time because they're the cardinals and that's what they do devil bird magic y'all that's all the cardinals know and they're very very good at it um but like i don't know man like you don't give up a guy like harrison bader for jordan montgomery if you're the cardinals thinking that that's gonna push you over the edge to win the world series i mean the brewers traded their closer to get a different closer and extend their window a little bit because they added a center fielder who doesn't hit the ball very hard. And this is my favorite part of what the Brewers did. So the Brewers trade Josh Hader for Taylor Rogers, 
Estuary Ruiz and Denelson Lamette, and then wind up in a roster crunch and wait. Denelson Lamette has been designated for assignment. I would like the Cubs to pick up Denelson Lamette. Denelson Lamette can be picked up right now by any team who would like to put an offer in. And the Brewers just got him as part of their trade package for their big closer. Who's like, oh, oh my God, the best closer of all time. Please Cubs, Jed Hoyer. If you are not already putting an offer in on Denelson Lamette so that your pitching lab can work on getting him back to starting form, what are you even doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, well, and I think that that's where the Cubs come into this. Like they're not making these big moves. They're not willing to sell their future over one player. Uh, you know, the the Brewers actually did pretty well in that trade, uh, seemingly as far as like, you know, it, extending their window because they don't have the fire under them because the Cubs aren't doing anything. They're like that meme of where you're like, touching it with the stick to see if it's still dead. And like, that's where we are. It's like, we're just in this weird holding pattern of like stockpiling back end of the back end of the rotation starters and like hope and pitch lab makes Scott Efros's. And then everybody else is just, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the plan is. I, I mean, it's just like, and neither do the other teams. So you know, the Cardinals are looking at this being like, well, the Cubs aren't going to do anything till 2025 at least. So why would we sell off? Because we could easily win the division next year in this weak division and find ourselves in a good position to maybe be adding in the future. So, you know, the Cubs have a have a much longer view of this than the teams that can compete at it now. And they're probably going to get knocked out of the playoffs early. Um, but Hey, at least they're in the playoffs. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like checking out of this season right now. Most bears, the bears are starting up and Chicago is going to switch quick and Wrigley's going to be empty. So, uh, you know, once the college kids go back and like the beer snakes are done, the last month of this season is going to be like, I guess maybe we'll see Wisniewski pitch, you know, and nobody's excited about it. Like I kind of am excited about Wisniewski. I'm not going to lie. Like the more I looked into that deal, the more I was like, that's, that was pretty smart. You see 28 year old reliever turned him into a 24 year old starter. Who's got some promise. Uh, Cubs insider has a good write-up of all, all of the pitchers that the Cubs added to their system through this deal. And their headline is the Cubs certainly have a type. And that is true. They're, they're into these like dudes who are six foot five or taller, throwing some nasty breaking with like what, at least one pitch that is super plus and nasty, like 160 grade pitch. And they're going to, they're going to work on the rest. I, I'm sort of excited for Wisniewski, but I admit that I am, I am very much a baseball geek and that's the type of thing that I geek out for. Like I I'll be the girl looking for the $6 stub hub ticket on the Wisniewski debut day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it could work out. I mean, we just don't know. Here's a 33rd. Well, he's been six round, six round pick. Uh, I mean, you know, I, the, the dude I'm kind of excited about is who's the guy that we got um, for Givens. The, the Mets Saul, guy. Saul Gonzalez. Yeah, and I'm excited about him. A, because I mean, I'm a sucker for just like looking at his picture and he just looks like a really fun dude. Um, but Saul Gonzalez out of Puerto Rico. Um, now, he was a 23rd round pick, so don't get too excited about this. But he is 6'7", 235. And I'm just, you know, I don't know. I'm just... That excites me. He's the tallest of all of them, 6'7". The other guy, Ben Brown, that they got, 6'6", 210. So he's one of those, like, big, uh, you know, lanky dudes. Um, so Saul Gonzalez, I mean, you're right, though. That is the type. Let's get these big guys out there. They throw hard. We'll see what we got. But, you know, these are single-A arms. We'll, uh, the pitch lab, I mean, I don't know. It's just like – we may or may not ever see these dudes. Um, it's like a, it's a lot of high floor guys and that's yeah. fine for depth, but at some point you're going to have to go out there and spend money for some real high end experienced arms because, you know, can you catch lightning in a bottle with a bunch of young guys? Has it happened before? Absolutely. Yes. Would that be an exciting, fun team to watch? Absolutely. When a bunch of dudes you never heard of came out of nowhere and won the world series. Yes. But, that's not what they're putting together. That's not like, this is none of this is uh, you got to spend, you got to spend at some point. You're a large market team. I'm saying the Cardinals and the Brewers are standing pat in these situations because they're, they don't feel no pressure. The Padres, they feel a lot of pressure. So they go out and they make these giant deals so they can compete with a good division. 
you know, the Cubs should be owning this division right now. And so for us to be nitpicking around the, the fringes is pretty frustrating for, I mean, look at the ticket prices even on StubHub for this weekend. You yeah. can't get in cheap. It's not cheap to go this weekend. You know, so it's just like, what am I looking at? Like, oh, Wilson's back. So now I got to spend triple. Like, no, I don't. I've already seen Wilson play. I'll be out with Balk, Dave in the corner. I'm not paying money for this last place team. You know, by the way, we're not last place. We're not the Reds. The Reds just took us over. And, uh, you know, the Reds made some pretty significant deals as well. But the Reds just took us over. The Pirates have been ahead of us all year. But I'm just saying, like, it's $6 to go to those games. It's not $6 to go to the Cubs game. So, like, you know, you, you if you want to pay $6 to go see a game and see some good players, go to freaking Myrtle Beach because that's where they are. They're not at Wrigley Field. Um, you know, well, I guess two of them are still there. But still, it's like this team is not trying. And it's just like I'm frustrated even with this – I'm frustrated about this trade deadline because like, oh, let's kick the can. Let's kick the directionless can down the road. So it's just like I'm looking at this at a fan as a fan and like I'm not a season ticket holder anymore. But like if I was, I would give them up like you. You're not giving me any indication that you're going to compete within the, the next definitely next year. You, you've already let me know that, you know, so um I just I don't get it. They're just gonna hand the division to these lower teams for no reason when you could just spend money and make it different. Like, no, we're gonna do it intelligently. Like, whatever that means. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see what they do this off season. I do think they could make a move for a frontline starting pitcher, and that could be sure. kind of interesting. I mean, Adbert Alzali is scheduled to start throwing to live batting practice sometime this week according to, I think it was Megan Montemoro um, over, um, I think that's who had that tidbit. I could be wrong about it. So Alzali is interesting to me because he makes this rotation a lot, a lot more stuff heavy, right? Like Alzali gives you a different look. Um, Stroman, Alzali, Thompson, Steele is interesting to me. Samson has been better than I had any reason to hope he would be. I don't, I don't know how long that can last, probably not very much longer. But if you were to add maybe one, more person to that maybe they sign my maybe they take a flyer on wade miley right like wade miley has actually been really good when he's been healthy this year like maybe they can get him to stay for one more year for like eight million dollars or something and then add like one real deal somebody who throws over 95 and gets some strikeouts actual starter to the rotation and and now i think you have you're in some business with your pitching um they have proven that they know what to do to make a good bullpen so i actually trust this team quite a bit to replace the bullpen guys. I think Anderson Espinosa, while he walks way too many guys, has been interesting and serviceable in a bullpen role. And I'm curious to see him get a little bit more run. Going to be wild if like the dude the Cubs got for half a year of Jake Marisnik turns out to be an impact arm in the bullpen going forward. Um, so I don't know. There's, there's some interesting options there. I do want to, um, before we move into talking about the rest of these Cardinals games and these Marlins games, I, I do want to take a quick minute and pivot to uh, a tribute to a man who was bigger than the game of baseball, in my opinion, Vince Scully, who might be the only person in baseball history that I am aware of who nobody disliked. Like, I've never heard a person say a bad word about Vince Scully. And that is an incredible feat when you think about it. Like, you, you consider that... He called games for 70 years. Uh, he called World Series games. He called golf tournaments. He called football games. He called everything. And he was the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers for from 1950 to 2016. I mean, I can't even fathom holding a job for more than a decade. Like holding a job for 76 years is 66 years. is I, I can't even do the math in my head quick. Like it's incredible to me. Um, and honestly, I just, I thought of all the very special moments that Vin Scully had calling Cubs games when he couldn't say Rob Zestrisny and he called him our pal Rob instead when he was tell, just telling stories about Harry Carey and Vin Scully was one of the people, one of the first people to, um, sing the seventh inning stretch after Harry Carey passed away. And I will never forget Vin Scully saying root, root, root for the Cubbies because Vin understood the assignment. 
he knew that he was there for Cubs fans to help with grieving in that moment, that he was not there as a Dodgers guy. And I just, you know, the world is a little bit less nice and a little bit less wondrous without Vin Scully in it. And I hope that Dodgers fans are taking a moment to relive their favorite memories. Well, the thing that he could do more than uh, better than just about anybody is stay engaged with the ball game and uh, call the game, tell you what the count was, tell you how many outs there were, uh, keep you engaged the, about who's leading off or that's a, you know, you know, this guy is stolen a bunch of bases or staying involved in the game yet in the middle of staying keeping you involved in the game, tell an incredible story that he could just be in the middle of the story, tell you it's a two, two count. And that was a curveball for a strike. And uh, the batter steps away and then go right back into the story. Uh, what it, whatever he was telling about, you know, someday in spring training in 1956, when, you know, uh, Leo DeRocher said something funny or whatever it was that story. Is, and that is a, just an art and a skill. And uh, nobody can, nobody else does it like, like he does. And just had that voice that you could put on. And like a lot of people I saw saying that they'll miss it because they used to put on the late game. Uh, I mean, he's been off the air for a bit, but they used to put on the late Dodgers games when he was still calling them to, um, to fall asleep to, because he had that kind of voice that you could just, you know, like a, a grandfatherly soothing, sort of it wasn't monotone by any means but it was absolutely just not nothing harsh about it in any way it was just like kind of like got into your under your skin and made you feel like you were covered in a warm blanket is how he did things and so yeah very sad loss for baseball and I don't know because of all the stupid ads that they put in everything now and the split screens and stuff there you know they're never gonna have it again uh I think about Pat Hughes, who should be in the Hall of Fame with the Ford Frick. Think about how the Cubs have ruined his broadcast and how he's he does a great job doing that, you know, in and out of the story thing as well. But they're making him, you know, do an ad for everything sponsored by your a walk is sponsored, an out is sponsored, a catch is sponsored. Like that's an old school kind of broadcaster that we had with uh, Vin that it's just not going to be allowed anymore. And uh, that's that's sad because you're not going to get these kind of legends of the game like this if they keep devaluing what the broadcasters bring to the game. And in many respects, that's the hugest mistake you could possibly make because who is the liaison between your product and the fans? It is the broadcaster. And if you dismiss what that means – which I believe the Cubs are actively doing by having like nine man boots and a different broadcast team every time. And all I see is people complain. So not to turn a Vince Scully tribute into a, a, a Danny Rocket rant, but that's what you're getting. But I'm just like, be careful because this legend, his legendary status is, is for a great purpose because he's such a great artist at his craft. But if you devalue what that craft is, which they are actively doing year after year after year in their seek for the almighty dollar, you know, you will ruin your own sport because that's who we need. We need more Vince Scully's and not not less of them. You know, Pat Hughes is a is one of the people I thought of as one of the heirs apparent to Vince Scully. I mean, he is an incredible baseball announcer. I could listen to Pat Hughes all day. I do sometimes when I go to Cubs games by myself, I listen to Pat Hughes in the stands because I like listening to Pat Hughes. And it doesn't even matter that he's a couple minutes behind the action that I'm watching. I just want to hear what he's saying and what he's talking about. The different, one of the big differences though, between a Vince Scully called game and a Pat Hughes game. And and this isn't Pat Hughes's fault. I, I guarantee Pat Hughes could call a game by himself. Like if Pat Hughes was in the booth, alone Vin Scully style for the whole nine innings we would get a Vin Scully style broadcast with Pat Hughes stories and he'd tell us old stories about Ron Santo and tell us about the game and then he'd you know ask some questions or whatever it would be great it would be wonderful um they don't do that anymore there are no one-man booths like that anymore uh and it and it breaks up your ability to just have like to be in conversation with the one person who is watching the game and telling you the story on the field. And um, I just, I cannot recommend highly enough a piece that I stumbled onto 
last night as I was looking up some Vince stuff. Uh, over at Fangraphs, Jay Jaffe uh, has a new introduction to a piece that he wrote in 2016 when Vin retired, um, and it's got some new edits and some new some new takes uh, in there uh, reflecting on the life of Vin Scully. But what Jaffe really nails in this piece, and r- just go check it out, give yourself 15 minutes and read the whole thing through. Read it slowly. Read it the way Vin would have read parts of this piece. Jaffe really nails the form and the pacing and the storytelling ability of Scully telling the story of Scully. And it is a beautiful piece to read. I I honestly was at tears and smiles and just that wistful feeling you got when you listened to Vin Scully multiple times reading it. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's a wonderful piece of writing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I have not seen that, but yeah, one of the greatest and uh, yeah. There will never be another. There will never be another. Yeah. Well, no, he was definitely one of a kind. And I just, I just hope that that brand of, te- of baseball yarn telling never goes away because people want it. And I feel like they don't want to give it to us. They're like, Oh, let me give you his X fit and all this, you know, there, there, a lot of guys get really and into some of the new advanced stats and that's all fine and good. If you can weave them into a good sounding broadcast, you know, it, it's, you know, just sit there and tell me math, you know, that's uh, not interesting. Um, have you lived an interesting life? Then you'll have interesting stories, um, baseball stories. That's what makes the game come alive to people. And that's what makes people romanticize the game. I mean, honestly, I'm not a sports fan. I am personally not a sports fan. I'm, I'm a baseball fan, but more so on top of that uh, food food pyramid there, I'm a Cubs fan. And the only reason I'm a Cubs fan is because of Harry Carey. If Harry Carey had not been the broadcaster for the Chicago Cubs, I might not be a Cubs fan at all or a sports fan. He is the reason I am in this. You know, I don't know too many broadcasters these days that are the reason people are becoming baseball fans. And I can guarantee you, you go around Wrigley Field, and I bet you one out of four people, especially my age, and young, maybe even younger, and uh, and some older, are Cubs fans because of Harry Carey's contribution to the team. If you don't value that, you're gonna lose. If you don't find your next Harry Carey, if you don't, if you don't value your number one touchstone to your organization, which is your television broadcaster. So um, hopefully this will be like, hopefully Vin's legacy can carry on in some way through the value of what he brought to the table. Yeah, I think uh, you're absolutely right about Harry Carey. Harry Carey's the reason I was a Cub fan too. I could, I, he told the story of Wrigley Field and I was in love with it uh, sitting in Price, Utah. I could just imagine how perfect and wonderful it was. And it's one of the few things in my life that did not disappoint in person, right? Like that something gets built up like that. It's very difficult for it to live up to the expectations you had as a kid. And not only does Wrigley Field live up to expectations like Wilson Contreras, it exceeds expectations at every turn. So um, rest in peace to one of the greats. Uh, Definitely thinking about all my friends who are Dodgers fans today. Let's talk about some teams who are definitely not the Dodgers, i.e. not world beaters at all. The Cubs will play two games, uh, a doubleheader today against the Cardinals. It looks like that one of those games is going to be started by Marcus Stroman. Um, the, the day other, game I just the saw. The other game is going to be started by TBD, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the the Cardinals will throw Miles Michaelis and our old friend Jose Quintana, uh, their new newest pitching well, – actually, not newest, second newest pitching acquisition. Jordan Montgomery is their newest pitch, pitching acquisition. Um, what are you seeing from Stroman, Michaelis, TBD, and Q, Danny? Well, Stroman's been great since he came back. Um, Michaelis, he's been doing well against us uh, for a few years now. Uh, Q is definitely going to no-hit us because that's just what's going to happen. That's my prediction. I might even – I'm not a gambler, but I might open an account just to bet on Jose Quintana no-hitting the Cubs tonight. I know that's not a very Cubs fan thing to do, but it's just that's just how it goes for us. And if you're a Cubs fan, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the Cardinals. And do you want to get into the Marlins too? Yeah, so we're gonna preview the Marlins series here too. Uh, trying to trying to do a couple of things all at once here, so that we don't come at you multiple times before the weekend. Um, 
the, they're just average. Friday, the Cubs will throw Justin Steele, a couple of TBD guys. We'll see who those wind up being. And then the Marlins will counter with TBD, Pablo Lopez, and uh, Jesus Luzardo, um, who they picked up last year at the trade deadline. I thought that was a real good move by Kim Ang. Um, I mean, look, the Marlins have some good pitchers. I'm, I'm intrigued by the Marlin, Marlins pitchers, and they are better than the Cubs pitchers. The Cubs pitching is getting better, but Marlins pitching is is much better than the Cubs. It is. I yeah, I think there's a there's a non-zero chance that the Cubs could have a real quiet few games with the bats here, which when we get to hot hitters, you'll see that that would just be a continuation of a trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got shut out, uh, you know, in the first game against the Cardinals. So, you know, we haven't seen too much uh, recently. Um, yeah, I mean, the Marlins have a really average offense um they actually have the fourth worst ops in the majors but only two fewer homers than the cubs do um so the cubs actually have outscored the marlins on the year but yet they've marlins have won more games with less runs scored so yeah you could point to the pitching and it is quite uh, it is a lot better in fact like you know the their starting pitching is pretty good. Like we don't know who's starting the first game for them, but uh, with Pablo Lopez and Jesus Luzardo, like both of the, those guys have ERAs under four. Um, and uh, yeah, they can dial it up there. That That's the way they've been going, building this team, I guess, was for the pitching. They don't have enough to do it this year. I'm not scared of the Marlins. Um, and the, the Cubs, um, the well Wrigley the, the Cubs brass they know that this this is not a marquee matchup so they're giving away a bunch of stuff at the at the games which they usually don't do on weekends um because but they have to so they got bleacher tanks going out to the to the uh, bleacher crowd tomorrow they've got a Nick magical bobblehead which boy people are gonna be like tearing down the walls to get that and then a Hawaiian shirt on Sunday. So, you know, that's where we are in the season as far as where the Cubs thought they would be um, when they announced all this stuff. They're like, well, we got to get people in here. We know that if we give something away, we'll at least get 10,000 people to come. So that's what's happening. It's a, it's a, it's a bobblehead. It is an underwhelming matchup against two mediocre baseball teams on what proves to be a quite a nice weekend in Chicago, one of the last of the summer. So make those $40,000 cup snakes, make rich people richer, and maybe you'll see it on the field sometime in 2025. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some hot hitters. And, and uh, spoiler alert, the Cardinals have hot hitters and the Marlins and Cubs do not for the most part. Like that is going to be the, the theme as we close out the show here. The Cardinals hot hitters, uh, this is from July 1, so month and change. Uh, anybody who had at least 40 plate appearances – Lars Newbar has a WRC plus of 207 to remind people that means he's been 107% better at driving in runs than the league average hitter. Nolan Arenado is at 201. Paul Goldschmidt at a meager 162 compared to Arenado and Newbar over there. Albert Pujols is at 159. Dickerson is at 147. And Nolan Gorman, who did not get traded for Juan Soto, is at 116. You will note that Dylan Carlson is not on this list because Dylan Carlson does not have WRC plus over 110 despite being untouchable in the Juan Soto trade. I hope that haunts Cardinals fans forever. That said, the Cubs have one, yes, one, and only one guy who has WRC plus over 110 in the last month and change. That is Nelson Velasquez, who has WRC plus of 119. Hopefully some Cubs will start hitting and join him soon. Danny, what do you see in these hitting matchups? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, hopefully, you know, just all the, the big gray black clouds that were hanging over this team before the trade deadline start to clear and they can get back to some winning ways. I mean, you know, they, they did well. They were doing well against good teams, playing them tough, not losing by too much. They even managed to rattle off six straight wins uh, not too long ago. So, I mean, you just, you just hope I want, as I said, say a Suzuki, I want him to go off for an entire month. I want him to hit 20 home runs and just like, you know, just go nuts and show that the Cubs are not dead and that, that there's something here that's worth adding to next year. Um, you know, not just, I mean, go for it. Like, and I think that they're going to have to see that 
on the field. Like you're going to see, you have to see Morrell go off. I want him to win rookie of the year. Like I want him, I want these guys to like, just get, I know they're all capable of it. It's just, I want it to all happen at once. I want it to be like the end of 2014 when they just did more with, with what they had than they could have possibly done and get on a positive role because you got to start winning because winning begets begets winning. And, you know, if you start having this loser mindset and feeling defeated before the game even starts, that can have a negative roll rolling snowball effect. And so I'm just looking to keep it positive and like, it's been hard. It's been hard to do um, recently because of all the black clouds, but hopefully those can clear and we can get to a, a, a better place on the other side of this. Cause it's always darkest before the dawn, right? Yeah, it is always darkest before the dawn. I mean, we'll see what happens with this Cubs team. I am a little bit fascinated by the possibilities, and I'm happy that I get to see Wilson Contreras play for the Chicago Cubs for at least another couple of months. Uh, In the meantime, if you want to find my takes or Danny, you can follow each of us on social media. You can find Danny at at Sunranto over on Twitter. I'm pretty sure that the Bleacher Bum Band is hosting a karaoke party at Nisei Lounge after Sunday's game. So definitely go check out some day baseball and then go head over to Nisei Lounge, have play some karaoke and hear the Bleacher Bum Band. Should be a real good time. You can find me and my baseball takes at FBCB underscore Sarah. You can find anything from the podcast at our podcast Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue, where we share all the news and notes from the show and more. Uh, and you know, I don't really know what we get, are going to see from the Cubs for the end of 2022 and the start of 2023, but I can tell you this. Wilson Contreras is going to be a part of it, and so is Ian Happ. It'll give us something to cheer for at the friendly confines, and I am looking forward to that. Until next time.